following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Um, our city has a way of portraying on TV and film what success looks like. Um, and it might not be your view, but this is the general view. The general view of success, the way it's portrayed on TV, somebody's very successful, they're very affluent, they're very, um, it's very evident by their lifestyle. If somebody's successful, the way it's portrayed on TV oftentimes is they have many people serving them. Uh, the, the picture on TV is somebody who's wealthy has maybe a butler and a maid and a chef and a chauffeur, right? That's the web. That's what it looks like on TV. Um, and so the world's view of wealth, the world's view of success has oftentimes is depicted by many people serving you if in fact you are successful. You may not agree with that, but that's the world's portrayal of success. It's often viewed through that lens. Jesus had a completely different view of success and Jesus had a completely different view of service, serving. And I would suggest to you this morning that Jesus' view of success was based on his view of serving. His view of success was based on his view of serving. In fact, Jesus said, the greatest of all is the servant of all, completely the opposite message that Hollywood portrays as far as what success is. Why is this important? Because you and I are watching stuff all the time, whether we're binge watching on Netflix or checking out a movie or whatever you're listening to or seeing a video, the way it's portrayed, the view of success, the view of making it and arriving with fame or fortune or whatever it might be, is often depicted at people serving us. And Jesus says, I have a completely different idea, a different view, a different truth. And my version of truth, Jesus would say, my absolute truth is that success has to do with serving, but it's not people serving you, it's you serving them. And he modeled it so wonderfully for it. And I believe it's, a, it's such a critical part of your growth and my growth that we can learn about Jesus, we can read the Bible, we can pray, we can do these things as we grow in our journey with Jesus. But listen, if we don't get this part down, we miss out on so much growth and we miss out on what Jesus calls greatness. Jesus calls it greatness. The world would not call this greatness, but Jesus calls it greatness because he knows what true greatness is. How many of you agree that Jesus knows greatness better than the world does? Okay, he's got a better view. And so let's jump in together, if you will. Uh, we're going to go through a couple of passages, but the main one is in John 13. If you have your Bible or on your phone, your device, however you read your word, we also have it for the, um, for the board up here, but we're going to see how Jesus views success. Again, my prayer today is that you and I would view success the way Jesus does. That's my prayer today, that we would view serving the way Jesus does, because success and serving to Jesus go hand in hand. That's what greatness is, according to Jesus. The setup is this in John chapter 13. Uh, Jesus is with his 12 closest friends, his 12 closest friends. These guys have been doing life together for the last three years, traveling all over the place, eating together, laughing, ministering, served. they've been doing everything for the last three years. This is his community. This is his life group. He, he, he did uh, things on the hill with multitudes of people, and then he got close with these 12, and they did life together, and they worked through things together. We talked about that last week, about life groups. That's another critical part of your spiritual formation, is literally committing, as the early church did, they committed to meeting in the temple every week. And they also committed to meeting at homes. There's been a movement lately away from scripture in the context of meeting at the temple and meeting at homes. The, the context lately is I just download a podcast once in a while. I, I listen to my favorite Hillsong worship and I'm cool. Me and God, we have a thing. He gets me. Um, that's kind of the, the narrative today of many people in Western Christianity. But historic Christianity, the kind that God was blessing, the kind of communities that had awe, in their community where things were going awesome and God was moving powerfully. They were in the kind of community commitment where they're meeting up at the temple, celebrating God together. God was doing very cool things corporately, but they also were meeting in homes because there's something about being real, transparent, and intimate together that you can't do in the corporate structure. And that's what we talked about last week. That's what Jesus is modeling. The large group ministries, the small group breakaway. He's traveling with these 12. He's doing everything together. 
They've been sharing the good news, sharing the kingdom of God for three years, and he's sitting down now to have a Passover meal, Passover dinner. It's Passover, Israel celebrating the Passover. He's in Jerusalem, but this is going to be his last Passover meal. He's been telling them, guys, it's getting to the point where pretty soon I'm going to be handed over, but this is my plan, and this is the last Passover meal. And in the middle of this Passover meal, there is this epic, powerful moment where Jesus does something that completely shifts the whole room. It shocks everyone who's sitting there having the meal. And what it is, quite simply, is that Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of God, who has been coming and raising the dead and healing the sick, who is the center person in this meal, he's the guest of honor, he's right in the middle, they're all surrounding him, he gets up and he puts on a robe. And he gets down on his knees and he starts washing people's feet. And everyone doesn't have a category for this because this is not what the Messiah does. You're the son of God. Get up. Jesus is like, listen, if you guys don't understand this, you'll miss out on the kingdom of God. It's amazing. It's one of the last monumental epic teaching points that Jesus had with this 12 that he's been traveling with. 12 that he's been traveling with the last three years. He's like, guys, you got to get this one. And I think we have to too, because we look at serving, this context of serving, why serve? Why should I serve? What do I get out of it? I don't like it. I don't feel like it. I don't have the energy for it. I don't have the time for it. We got all kinds of reasons, but I'm just telling you, if you're a Christ follower this morning, you got to understand the heart of Jesus when it comes to serving. You've got to understand his heart. He's doing this last-minute teaching before he goes to the cross. It's essentially his last teaching before he goes to the cross. And he's like, guys, if you want to be Christ followers, you can't be. You can't be Christ followers without this. And he does this in the meal. This is how it goes. John chapter 13. We're going to pick it up in verse 4. And it goes like this. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, And wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water in a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not recognize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need to only wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand... What I have done for you, he asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed to do them. Wow, this is, again, incredibly powerful. Jesus' last meal, a Passover meal. Jesus the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, gets up from the meal, wraps a servant's towel around him, gets on his knees, Starts grabbing everybody's stinky, smelly feet, walking through Jerusalem, pouring water, washing them, taking his own towel, putting their foot up here and just drying them off. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty extreme to me. Pretty extreme. It's one of the last things he does before he goes to the cross. And there's a reason for this. It's monumental. It's key to their formation and it's key to my formation and your formation as well, spiritually speaking. Now, I don't know if you've ever had your feet washed by somebody, especially done out of a place of straight humility. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had your feet washed just out of sheer humility. Ladies, I'm not talking about when you go to get a pedicure and the lady starts washing your feet. That's cool. You paid for that. 
You know, when you paid for that, it's different. You can say, hey, you missed a spot. You missed a spot. That's different. You're paying for a pedicure. You need to get what you're paying for. That's different. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody out of straight humility taking a knee and washing your feet. It is one of the most humbling experiences. Has anybody experienced this before? It's one of the most humbling experiences you'll ever have. Not just one way, two ways. It's incredibly humbling to, re- to let somebody wash your feet. Doesn't that kind of freak you out a little? Anybody in the room with some honesty, does that freak you out a little bit? People, it does, because it's like, well, that's a little, that's, that's my space, and I appreciate it, but nah. But no, nah, we're not going to do that. Um, and, you know, we, we did, um, we've, we've done this before around Good Friday. We've done, as part of our worship service, we've done this. In fact, years ago, uh, we were doing something when we were at, uh, in Santa Monica at church. I was a youth pastor over there. Christy and I were doing ministry. Um, we were part of an, uh, an art installation, if you will. It was a live installation, and it was a Good Friday service in a warehouse, but it was totally untraditional. It was a, is where we modeled everything through arts and um, tangible aspects where people could walk through this, these displays and actually go through a, basically a 21st century depiction of maybe what this night would have been. And uh, I was at the first station, the first station of this art installation. And the first station was before you get to the warehouse, there's an alleyway you had to come down. It was in these sound stages and we had all this art installation where they were going to experience the last night of Jesus before going to the, and going to the cross. And so the first station was this station right here, just like with the Jesus in the Last Supper, where people had bread and communion. They had the communion and they got their feet washed. And people came along and the communion part, that's cool. They're all just rolling in from the street, checking out this Good Friday art installation, you know, just checking it out. And everyone's cool with the communion. And then, well, can you take off your, your shoes, please? What? Can you take your shoes off, please? Well, you want me to take my shoes? We just want to wash your feet tonight? Nah. Nah, you ain't washing my feet. And all kinds of people, some are like, what? Uh, yeah, I guess. Other people are like, no way. No way are you going to wash my feet. And it was amazing to me, people that wanted to go on this journey with Jesus, but there was no way they were going to let somebody wash their feet. Can I just tell you, it's profoundly humbling to have your feet washed. Profoundly humbling. But it's also profoundly humbling to wash somebody else's feet. And Jesus is showing one of the most He's the most powerful person who ever lived. He's God in flesh, walking on the earth. He's calming the seas. He's raising the dead. He's calling things that are not as though they are. He's, he's the word that became flesh and lived among us. And at the same time, he takes on this nature of one of the most humbling things you could ever do. And he's telling these guys, you've got to understand what I'm doing here. You've got to get this. This is amazing what he did. So you can imagine yourself. Say you're at a party and the host of the party Maybe you're at a wedding. Can you imagine the, the groom coming over, getting up and coming to your table and taking your shoes off and washing your feet? Can you imagine the bride doing that, ladies? P- pretty out of character. How humbling. That's exactly what Jesus is doing. Everyone is dumbfounded. They don't know what to do. Peter doesn't know what to do. He's like, no way. There's no way you're going to do that to me, Jesus. Profoundly humbling. But it's a necessary lesson. He said, Jesus said, listen, I'm doing this as an example for you. This is an example for you. Because as Christ followers, you need to do as I have done. And that's what he said. I'm doing this as an example because I'm asking you to do as I have. And if you're a note taker this morning, I want to encourage you just to jot a few things down. You can talk about them later. later. Um, But this is so critical to your spiritual formation and mine. Why serve? Really, why serve? Why do we serve? What do I get out of it? What's the benefit? Why should I? I don't have the time. We've got all kinds of reasons for why we serve or why we don't serve. But I just want to look at it through the lens of Scripture on what God would say, what the kingdom of God is about, what your spiritual formation and mine is about by design. Why should we serve? And the first one is this. Why serve? Because Jesus served and said we should serve also. Jesus said that, not Pastor B. Jesus said, if you're not my disciples, I'm doing it an example, do as I have done. This is important. I want you to do what I have done. Jesus is modeling this. And before he goes to the cross, he's like, guys, if you don't get this lesson down and I go to the cross, it's all going to fall apart because the kingdom of God is stitched together in the expression of our love back to God and through our service. 
And if we're self-centered and we don't want to serve, everything starts to fray and fall apart. Jesus is like, I'm going back to the Father. I'm going to send my spirit. But if you guys will walk this thing out in community, watch what happens. The world will change. But if you don't walk it out, then everyone has their own independent, personal view of Christianity, their own personal thing. And it's a disconnected, fragmented family of believers, not on mission and not walking in really the calling of Jesus. And so the first reason is because Jesus served and said that we should serve also. In verse 14, he says, now that you know these things, you will be, listen, you will be blessed if you do them, blessed if you do them. I wonder how many Christians in this side of heaven, we might not know the answer to that, myself included. I wonder what blessings you and I might be missing out on, might be missing out on, because we're not serving in opportunities that God has for us. Now listen, grace is a free gift. We do not work for grace. We are saved by grace through faith. It is not by work. Salvation cannot be worked for. It's free, free, salvation. But the blessings of God, they're contingent in Scripture. If you do this, you'll have life and blessings. If you do this, you won't. Scripture is full of these things where Jesus is like, if you do this, I'll bless you and do this. If you don't, I won't. I'm not talking about heaven. That's a free gift. Through Jesus, through turning and following and receiving his sacrifice first, we don't earn that. We can't earn it. We'd never be able to earn it, buy it, or work our way towards it. But the blessings of God are things that we can walk in his blessings or walk outside of them. And Jesus is saying right here, talking about serving, and I'm giving you an example, and I want you to do as I have done. He's saying, you will be blessed if you do this. And again, I wonder what blessings we might miss out on if we don't want to serve compared to the blessings we get in on according to the words of Jesus when we do serve. Serving is the context that he's talking about blessing. It's not out of context. It's 100% in context because he blesses obedience. He rewards those who diligently seek him, the Bible says. So the second point this morning, why serve? The first one is because Jesus served and said we should serve also. The second one is because Jesus promised to bless us for serving, to bless us for serving. The Bible says if you seek God first, he will give you the desires of your heart. If you do what Jesus said, if you walk in his ways, not in our own ways, his ways, if you line up with what the Spirit is saying, what the Word of God is saying, if you, if you want to do this, God's going to give you the desires of your heart. And if our desires are off, he'll change them as we walk with him. And that's the beauty of walking with God. But again, there's so many people in Western Christianity that we have our own version, our own form of, well, I think it should be like this. And we do our own thing and we walk away from the context of Scripture and what the Spirit's saying. And we walk away from the words of Jesus. We kind of do our own thing of the way it ought to be. And we might wonder why we're not getting in on some blessing. Listen, guys, life is too short to miss out on the blessings of God. You want to get in on every blessing God has for you. You want to get in on every blessing God has for you. You don't want to walk away from his blessings. He wants to bless and reward his children. But there's a context for which we obey and follow and, and follow through and, and serving is a key part of that. And uh, I just hope we're seeing it the way Jesus is saying it. Um, listen, if God is going to bless his children, think about this just through your own lens. If you're a parent here, this is really easy to get. But um, if you're not, just imagine. If God is going to bless his children, would you bless the child who's saying more, 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 more for me, myself, and I, more, more, more for me, myself, and I, would you run over and just bless that children? Just give them all kinds, give them more stuff. Or would you bless the child who is serving others? If you were the parent, which one would you bless? I could tell you we have five children. I'll tell you which one we would bless. The one who is other-centered because we see and we recognize and we reward that behavior because that's God-honoring behavior. It's God-centered behavior. It's God-honoring behavior. And we try to identify it as parents and we try to reward our children when they walk in these kind of things. But if people are me, myself, and I, me, I want more, 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 God's not like, yeah, I came for the reason that I could just bless you and keep it all to yourself. But the other-centered ones, is you see God saying, I'm going to supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory when we walk in his in his ways, in his principles, in his heart. Um, but not only blessed, not only are we blessed, the Bible says we are considered, this is bizarre, we are considered great, great. Now as Christians, we don't throw that word on ourselves, great, feeling great, that sounds boastful, that sounds prideful. But the Bible, through the lens of God, looking down at his children, 
he uses, God uses the context of being great. You talk about being successful. The Lord would say, you are great if you serve. Matthew 23, 11, we have for the screen. Jesus said this, the greatest among you, the greatest among you shall be the servant. The greatest of all is the servant of all. Jesus said that's how greatness is defined. But everything you're going to watch on TV, if you go home tonight and watch a movie or go out this weekend to see, you're not going to see it defined this way. You're going to see it defined a different way. You're going to see it defined as fame and fortune and success as defined by having stuff and having people serve you. But Jesus says, in God's economy, that is not greatness. In God's economy, greatness is serving others. It's serving. It's serving God and serving others. That's the Lord's heart in the context of that. If you read it more, they're arguing about greatness and who is great. And Jesus says, you want to know great? I'll tell you who is the goat, (laughs) the greatest of all time. The greatest of all time is the servant of all. That's who the greatest of all time really is. The servant of all is the greatest. So when you serve others and when I serve others, when we serve God, that is defined as the greatest of all time. So we got to be careful how you and I view success. I've seen many Christians, well-intended, start out walking with Jesus, but get hijacked somehow because of starting to develop the wrong view of success. And I'm telling you, we got to keep our eyes on the prize, the author and perfecter of our faith. we got to keep our eyes on the prize. But we start looking at the wrong view of success, and we're going to totally get off track, and we're all capable of this, so it's really important. But greatness is tied to our commitment to serve God and to serve others. So third point this morning, again, if you're a note-taker, why serve? Because greatness is achieved by our willingness to serve. That's what Jesus said. Again, this isn't Pastor B. The scripture is saying this. Did you know that, that greatness is tied to serving according to God? Greatness is tied to serving God. Jesus promised blessing for serving. Blessing. Blessing. This is stuff you can't make up in your own life. This is, this is God's blessing upon you in open doors, favor, whatever it might be. It could come in the form of provision. It could come in, in the form. But God's blessings are so multifaceted. I can't even tell you what form the blessing will come in. But God knows your needs and he knows what would bless you and make you smile and knows what's good for you. And it, scripture says they come through serving. And Jesus served and said, I want you to serve also. If, you, if you're a Christ follower, do as I've done. This is an example for you. This is really key stuff, guys, on serving. Now, another thing about the Bible, the Bible refers to you and I, and this is really important. Um, I think it's a very timely uh, message for the church, especially Western church today. You hear of revival breaking out in some other countries, third world countries, but they haven't, they haven't migrated away from their own... Um, migrated away to their own version of Christianity. And I, I think a lot of times in Western civilization, we, we kind of kind of conform God into our image sometimes and we make church what we want it to be. And we try to go back to the first century church and see people who walked with Jesus personally. How did they live this thing out? And we try to let that be our model for church. Of course, we're in a 21st century, but we try to look at the way they lived, the way they loved and how they understood scripture. And I think it's an amazing way to remove anything man-made out of the way and get close to the words of Jesus and the ways of the Holy Spirit, the church was the community of the Holy Spirit. They were known to be the community of the Holy Spirit. They lived like that. The world looked at them and said, what's with these guys? They've got grace, they've got mercy, they've got love for one another. And we talked about that last week, about connecting and being in community. We talked more about how the early church lived, but um, the Bible refers to us as the church, it refers to us as the body of Christ. And I believe we have a a graphic for that, um, we are called the body of Christ. This is what scripture calls us. Not one times, many times this comes up, that you and I collectively together, we are the body of Christ. Would you say that with me? The, the body of Christ. Why does scripture call us the body of Christ? Because in the same context of sharing this, it talks about the different parts of the body. Meaning essentially that you and I and all of us together are the hands and feet of Jesus. This is important, guys. You and I collectively together are the hands and feet of Jesus. When the world is watching and the world wants to see, is Jesus doing anything in the world today? Do you know how the world sees if Jesus is doing anything today? You know how they see? What's the church doing? What's this quote-unquote body of Christ doing? 
Oh, wow, they're serving people. Look, they're helping. Oh, they're helping widows, orphans. Look at, look what they're doing. Jesus must be alive. Look at what those people are doing over there. When people see the body of Christ engaged in the work of Jesus, serving, stepping in, being selfless, following the heart of God, the world sees the body of Christ in motion and knows God is alive in that community. There's change happening. God is changing lives over there. But the opposite is also true. When the world does not see the body of Christ mobilized, serving, stepping out of their comfort zone, they don't really see much action from Jesus. They're looking around. Who's being fed? Who's being served? Where's the gospel being preached? Who's being loved? Who's being set free? Who's being delivered? I don't know. Not seeing a lot of it. But when the body steps into these things, they're like, oh, wow, would you look at that? All this stuff is happening through this body of Christ and all those people share one story, different stories with one thing in common, that Jesus met them somehow. The deliverance, the healing, the gospel, the waking up, I once was blind. All the stories that come out of that have Jesus. Jesus must be alive. Jesus must be among us. He must be in that community. They call him the body of Christ and I see why. Because Jesus is alive and well, mobilized through his people. And that's the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach the apostles. I'm going to the Father. You've got to get this example down, guys. You have to understand the magnitude of a heart of a servant. Because if you don't, it's one of the core values of our church. All of our leaders have been through this. Because the greatest of all is the servant of all. It's not rank or file or title. We don't do that here. It's serving Jesus And all of our leaders are servant leaders. That's what we call ourselves. I'm a servant leader. I'm here to serve you. My wife's here to serve you. Uh, Tom and Jeremy and uh, Joey. We're we're all, all all of us in leadership, all the deacons here. We're here to serve you. That's what we do because Jesus did it first. And as you've seen, it's not rank and file or I don't do that and I do this and I don't do that. We we don't operate that way because that's a man-made model and that's not the kingdom of God. This is what he's trying to model here, guys, in all sincerity. Here's another thing. How many of you guys uh, know this and you've probably seen this uh, before that uh, when, how many have heard the expression that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? People don't care how much you know until you know how much you care. We, we want to be messengers sometimes. We want to share God's message with people. Uh, but oftentimes, before people, before people hear our message, listen, before they hear our message, they see our message. Did you know that? Before anyone hears our message, they often see our message first. They see what we're doing and how we're doing it. And what they see determines whether they're willing to hear or not. Years ago, Hudson Taylor went over to China. There was a lot of missionaries going over there. They're coming out of England. They were all studied up and prepped up and ready to hit the mission field. And everyone's like in their like British garb and stuff like that. And Hudson Taylor is like, yeah, I'm not going to do it that way. And uh, what he ended up doing is growing out this like ponytail thing and putting on the clothes of the local people, growing out a big like Fu Manchu kind of thing. And they thought he was absolutely nuts, thought he was crazy. And he went over there. And he didn't quickly learn the language and start blasting everybody, putting them on blast. Repent and turn, the kingdom of God. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He went over, took a knee, started washing feet. He started helping people. He started loving people. He started serving people. And over time, people saw that. And they said, I don't know what his message is, but this guy's legit. This guy loves beyond his capacity. He serves beyond his capacity. I don't know what, I can't identify what it is, but I'm curious because God must be doing something inside this man if he can love and serve that kind of way. And pretty soon, it opened the way. His service opened the way for his message. People saw him before they heard him. And when they heard him, they believed in his gospel because it was credible by his selfless service to others. And it started to change the nation over there. And everyone started to change the way they were doing missions. They're like, wait, look at the way he's doing it. He's becoming one with the people and serving them. And it's opening the door to a whole new kind of perspective on missions that was unheard of at the time. People will see you before they hear you. And they will also see you as you love them and serve them. As you love them and serve them. So the fourth point is this, guys. Why serve? Because because when we serve, our action amplifies our message. Our action 
amplifies our message. When you act and I act and we serve, it turns the volume up on our message. It just gives it greater platform. It gives it greater credibility. People are more listening it when we act. But when we don't, we just have a message. And there's a lot of messages going on out there. And we're competing for all these other messages to try to share the truth of Jesus, which is wonderful. But our action does this. And that's why Jesus went around and healed and prayed for and, 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 and did all these amazing things. Everyone was like, what do you have to say? Because he modeled it. And now that he's going to the Father... If these apostles, these Christ followers, don't get this down, it's going to fall apart. The kingdom of God is designed to move forward in power with the anointing of the Holy Spirit according to God's word. The church is supposed to walk out a mission. And if the church didn't get this service thing down before Jesus goes to the cross, it's going to fall apart. And Jesus is like really key on this thing. That's why the, uh, in the early church, James, who wrote the letter of James in the Bible, says things like, Show me your faith and I'll show you my works. That's why he said stuff like that. Because a lot of people say, well, I got faith. I don't, I don't do anything. I don't serve. I, don't, I just believe. I'm saved. I, I don't have to work my way. I don't do anything. And this is me and God. And God gets me. And I got faith. And so it's all by grace. And so don't talk to me about serving. Salvation is all about grace by faith. The blessings of God are about obedience. Does that make sense? Walking out the obedient things, the blessability of God. It's a different category. It's not, we're not talking about salvation. The Jews were working their way to salvation and Jesus came and said, you can't buy it, earn it. It's a free gift and I'm providing it for you. Just turn and follow and take my gift. Turn and follow me. And this is where life begins. But the blessings of God come from obedience. And James was seeing believers in a church who had little or no action in their life. And they were just saying, I don't need to. I got faith. And James is like, wow, what kind of faith is that? He's like, show me your faith and I'll show you my action. Because he said, faith without works is, we'll say it one more time, faith without works is, that's what James said. And I would kind of agree. When we say we got this thing, but there's no display, there's no outward evidence of relationship with God, walking in his power and love and being a light and salt and affecting a word. If that's not on display anywhere, James would tell us, that, that, that's dead. And when it's, when it's the opposite, when there's a display coming out of us, like Hudson Taylor, everyone's like, that faith is alive. It's very alive. It's so alive, it's contagious. And there's an overflow effect that changes people. Now, some of you guys serve here at church, and I want to say thank you so much for those of you who serve here at Metro. Thank you so much. Come on, come on, come on. Worship team, sound, children's ministry right now hospitality greeters all set up and all the stuff that's amazing um some of you serve in ministries outside the local church which is wonderful maybe feeding homeless or um street evangelism stuff like that and that's awesome and maybe some other outside uh ministries maybe you're coaching a team at the ymca and you're looking kids in the eye and you're sharing faith with them along that's a wonderful now but some of you some of you don't serve at all yet don't serve it all yet. I believe you're here today because you love Jesus. And I believe you're here today because you're willing to follow the ways of Jesus. And I want to encourage you that this is a key component to your spiritual formation. In fact, I would suggest you will miss out on a lot of formation if you don't get this part down. This, um, this, uh, it's in the word. It's, 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 it's in the word. The, the early church had to get this down. And again, our Western style, and this is something, I, I'm not going to talk much about it, but I will tell you this. Jesus came along, and in the culture of the Jewish culture, the priesthood, everyone say the priesthood? The priesthood belonged to the priests, belonged to the priests. That's why when Jesus came along, healing the sick, raising the dead, teaching on the hillside, even John the Baptist out there drawing big crowds, they're like, time out. We are the priests, not them. And they didn't like that. And they went to go see what John the Baptist is doing, frowning, looking at him. We didn't approve you. But revival is breaking out. Because God is saying, you're not the priest. There's a priesthood of all believers, the Bible would say. A, say priesthood of all believers. There is a priesthood of all believers. And yet in Jesus' time, they were holding the priesthood to themselves. Jesus came along and gave the priesthood away. He gave the priesthood away. He gave it away to people that were all around him, regular fishermen, guys that are cursing, guys that are ripping people off on their taxes, saying, come and follow me. I know what you used to do. Follow me. Mary Magdalene, she was living a crazy lifestyle. It's okay, Mary. Follow me. 
And he's given, the, he's given the kingdom away to people, and it's the priesthood of all believers. And this is what the early church was for the first couple few hundred years. And then I hate to say it, but when you look at church history, you'll see with the Roman Empire, they started to say, uh-uh, we're not giving the priesthood away, we're taking the priesthood back. And they took the priesthood back. And if you look at church history, or at least my read of church history, which I've looked at in pretty good detail, when you look at the church history, in Rome, the church took the priesthood back from the people. You want to know what it says? Come and talk to us. We'll tell you what it says. We'll tell you how to be right with God. And you're not going to have scripture in your own house. And that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus did. And it wasn't until the Reformation way later where they started to put the Bible back in people's hands and let people be the priesthood again. Be the priesthood again. And this is critical because serving is a key part of your priesthood. Does that make sense? It's not, you know, it's not the secular and the sacred. We're all in this thing. We're in the world, but not of it. We're all walking it out. We're all walking with Jesus. We all got the same source material. We all got the word of God. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. We have the same spirit in us. We are the body of Christ collectively together, the hands and feet. And if we don't understand the priesthood, if we don't understand our part in serving him, then we completely miss out on the aim and the mission. And sadly, that's happened during certain times of church history. Very sad to me. It breaks my heart looking back on, wow, that, that, that's sad that it happened. But you're living in a time where the Lord's giving you the priesthood. He's giving you the priesthood, but we have to step in and take it, amen? It's the priesthood of all believers, family. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap because he's good on that one. Priesthood, guys. Priesthood's a good thing. I'm not talking about some collar and doing something goofy that you don't want to wear. I'm just talking about representing where you are. If you're at Trader Joe's and you see someone struggling, you say, you know what? Do you mind if I pray for you? Huh? You mind if I pray for you? Uh, uh, sure. Christy and I, when we went up to Ventura just the other day, we're praying for people in the elevator. We're praying for people at the front desk. You know, can we pray for you? Like, uh, like here? Now? Yeah. Uh, sure. None of them said no. The reception, front check-in at the hotel. Praying for him and just like, lady in the hotel, can I pray? Like now? Yeah, ma'am. I guess so. Just pray. You're a priesthood wherever you go. On your block, neighbors, just start stepping into it. You don't have to know everything about it. Just say, God, I'm willing to step into the priesthood. Just show me how to step into it, and I'll step into it. You will be amazed at the fruit that comes out of it. Um, So discipleship, guys, this is an integral part serving. It's an integral part of your spiritual formation. I can't stress that enough. Listen, serving will make you like Jesus. Serving will make you like Jesus. You can go to seminary and you could study and you could exegetical fallacies and hermeneutics and you could look at doctrinal positions and critical, you know, uh, you can get into everything of, of, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, aspects of doctrine and understanding and uh, bibliology, all these kind of things. That's wonderful, and it's great insights and great knowledge. However, those things don't necessarily change the heart. Can I tell you that? Those things don't necessarily change the heart. We can be very informed on the kingdom and be very cognitive and understanding and pass some tests, but it doesn't necessarily change the heart. Jesus didn't look for the top graduates from the rabbinical school who had the most knowledge. He looked for people at hearts that could be formed and shaped, and he worked with them. And they change the world. Listen, this is really important. But this is an integral part of your spiritual formation. Discipleship is not just knowing about Jesus. It's becoming like Jesus. Discipleship is not knowing about. It's becoming like Jesus. And when we become like Jesus, when we really walk with him, and we really do as Jesus did. When we walk according to the word of God, by the spirit of God, for the glory of God, we start becoming like him. It's not just learning about him. We become like him. In Mark 10, 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he's saying, even I, guys, just, if you're following me, Jesus is saying, listen, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. So if you're following me, understand who I am, understand my identity, understand my aim, understand my worldview, understand my economy, understand how the kingdom of God works. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And he's saying this. So why serve? Here's our fifth point and our final one this morning. Why serve? Because serving God and others makes us more like Jesus. Serving God and serving others makes us more like Jesus. It changes us. It changes us. There's so many things we can do in our own strength. 
that don't change us. But when you step out to serve, it's almost like getting out there on the ice. We used to live back east and ice would freeze over in New York. Certainly you'd find a place where there's a little pond somewhere or something. And then, then it was always like, who's going to test it out? I'm not going to test it out. Why don't you test it out? You know, and, and you know, figure out who's going to test out the ice. Like, is it thick? Is it thin? You don't know. And you start going out and, you, you know, sometimes it's cracking and somebody runs back and every once in a while someone falls in up to their leg or something. But, you know, you wait till it's solid and you check it out. When you're stepping out in ministry, you don't know. But the Lord is saying, I got you. The Lord is saying, I see you. The Lord's saying, you're on my side with us. If God is for you, who can be against you? Even though you're stepping out and you don't know, you don't know. You've never been there before. You don't know. You don't have the power. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. The Lord's like, it's okay, I got you. Just like the apostles, they didn't know either. Just keep, just keep taking steps and it's stepping out to serve in the unknown. And it is a key part of God's plan for us. It says in Philippians 2.5, it says your attitude, listen to this one. This one kind of drives it home. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taken on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So our attitude, the Bible is saying this, Christ followers, listen, our attitude should be the same as Jesus' attitude. This is part of your spiritual formation today. It should be part of our lives. It should be a lesson that we learn and we get it, we hold on to it, we put it on our keychain, say, Lord, I got that, I'm going to move forward. I don't got to keep learning this or I don't got to wait 50 years to learn this. I got it, that our attitude should be the same as Jesus who took on the nature of a, one more time, our attitude should be the same as Jesus who took on the nature of a, that's God's heart for me and for you. That's not Pastor B's idea or that's not an encouragement to try to get somebody to do something. That is the heart of God for your spiritual formation and for mine. And we will miss out on the kingdom of God and major, major spiritual formation if we have a self-centered faith about me, my life, my blessing, my way, my time, my this. And we will experience the kingdom of God stepping out into priesthood where the spirit of God shows up and God changes lives around you. If we're willing to do this through serving Jesus, he transforms our very nature. More than a Bible study or reading a book is gonna do, which is wonderful. That helps renew our mind, the way we're supposed to think. But our hearts begin to change as we step out and we trust and we, we do these things. Um, I don't know about you, but in my life, um, you can even picture the Good Samaritan story. Can you imagine the Good Samaritan story? That guy, that poor guy, that Good Samaritan, you know, uh, the one guy gets beaten and left on the road and, and religious people are walking around him. You know, they're like, ooh, germs, you know, cooties, you know. He's walking around the guy. They don't want to touch him, get their get his blood on him or something. And, and, and the good Samaritan comes by. You know, he could have done a lot of things. Um, he could have he dropped some good theology on the poor guy on the ground, right? He could have done that. He could have dropped some theology on him. You know, he could have said, hey, brother, let me just prophesy for you. Let me tell you how you ended up here. And, and he, he said, let me just tell you, your future is going to look better than your past, okay? It's going to look up for you, pal. And uh, don't worry, it might look like it's over, but it's going to, he could have done all kinds of things. He could have given him a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. He could have just said, let me pray that you're healed right now. He could have done all those things. Those are all wonderful things, but that's not what he did. What he did is he got low. He got off his own donkey. He got out of his own car. He got low. He got on a knee. He helped the guy up. He put him in his car, put him on his donkey, took him down to urgent care, right? Took him down to urgent care. Said, make sure this guy gets handled and tells the guy, hey, buddy, I got your number. I'm checking in on you. I'm checking back with you, okay? I'm coming back around. I'm checking back on you. I want to make sure you're okay. People see your message before they ever hear your message. And that's why we serve, guys, because people see us. They see us before we serve. And I know stepping out, it can be a little scary, a little out of your comfort zone. You might be a little bit stretched. You might feel like you are stretched. I know I've done it many times and I always feel stretched when I step out to serve in a new area. But I'm telling you, there's nothing but life and growth and blessing if you do. Is it a little out of your comfort zone? Yes. But discipleship is supposed to be getting out of your comfort zone. Do you realize that? If discipleship was not getting out of your comfort zone, he would have told the apostles, he would have said, hey, fishermen, you guys believe in me? Cool, go back to fishing, enjoy your life. <laughs> and he would have moved on. Tax collector, do you believe in me? Yeah, great. Stay in your booth, stay, just, just remember what you said. And go. But he didn't say that. He's like, would you follow me? Can I make you into something that you're not? Can I make you into fishers of men? Can I make you into the kinds of sons and daughters that will also go out and make disciples and 
replicate Christ followers? Can I, can I do that with you? Would you let me help form you, please? And this serving is a monumental part of our transformation and our spiritual formation. And we don't grow a whole lot without it. We don't really grow a lot without it. And every step of the way for me has been a stretch. I remember stepping into Skid Row ministry, going down there. We, you know, I'm like, Skid Row, whoa, Skid Row. You got people waking up in the morning at you know, five in the morning, needles hanging out of their arm. You're like, really, we're going to go down there? Yeah, we're going down there. All right, it's on, let's go. You know, so you start doing that. And you're like, whoa, it's a stretch. And then pretty soon you find a rhythm and God meets you and shows up. And that's really cool. You look at life's changing and you go, wow, God, you, you grew me through this process more than any study ever would have done. You, grew, you, you shaped my heart. And I remember the opportunity for me to step into prison ministry. I'm like, prison ministry, all right, sounds exciting, a little crazy, but let's go. Now, how many of you know most people are trying to get out of the penitentiary, not get in the penitentiary? Um, but you know, you go in there and you look and you're like, wow, this is literally a captive audience, spiritually speaking, literally, physically, pun intended, but they're captive, broken, and stuck because of decisions. And Jesus has got truckloads of grace and mercy for people. He makes, how many believe he makes all things new? You got to know that, people, because we're in the transformation business when we signed up with Jesus. And you go, oh my goodness. And it begins to break your heart and change you, change you. I remember one night I was down outside of county jail because we were going to different facilities. I was out there, and as I pulled up in my car out from, I left my workplace and I got to county jail and listened to the radio on the way. And about two weeks earlier, I heard on the radio that the school that I used to live near in San Diego, the high school that I lived like a couple blocks from, there was a shooting and some kids died and it just, it really just wrecked me. I'm like, I can't believe it. I used to live down the street from that school and I wasn't walking with Jesus then, but I'm like, oh, I, I wonder if anyone's speaking life into those kids' lives. I mean, they're so messed up. And as I'm driving to prison ministry and I'm at county jail in the parking lot waiting for the other people to show up on our ministry team, the radio comes on and then my own high school, the own high school that I went to in San Diego is a shooting, people getting shot. And I just remember in the car breaking down and, and crying. And I'm not like the crying type, but God was breaking my heart that these kids are sheep without a shepherd. And they're all going their own way. And there's no leadership in their lives. And God was breaking my heart right there in the parking lot. But this is, tran- this is how transformation happens when you're serving. And I remember calling up my pastor at the time and saying, I think the Lord is calling me to step in to start serving these youth. So here am I, send me. Tell me what you want me to do. Tell me how you want it. And I had a busy schedule. I had a lot going on. But I'm like, God is breaking my heart. Sign me up and I will do it. And I stepped in and started to be a youth pastor for a couple of years to help shape lives. But it's always scary. It's always unknown. But God will meet you there, guys. He will meet you there. And so, um, you know, I want to ask the worship team to come up right now. We're going to close in prayer. But I, I am, my prayer is this, guys, that you will understand that serving... Jesus is asking you to serve. Jesus is saying, follow my example, please. Jesus is saying, I I don't just want to teach you through knowledge. I want to teach you through experience and trust as you step out and do as I did. I took on this nature. The greatest of all is the servant of all. There's a theme running through the New Testament. It's not exclusive to one or two scriptures. This is the context of scripture. Is our old nature was me, myself, and I. But our new nature is thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. There's two different natures that God's trying to work out in our life. The Holy Spirit wants you to serve, but our flesh doesn't want to serve. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And there's this battle going on, and you're gonna, are, we, are you and I going to cower to the flesh and do what feels good to us? Or are we going to step into the promises and the blessings of God and the fullness of, of what He has? My prayer is that we will step into the fullness of of what he has. I just want to say, some of you guys, if you're in this church, just out of all seriously, if, if you're in this church, if this is your home church, and you're looking for a place to serve, there's all kinds of amazing opportunities out at this welcome table. But this isn't share a message to get people to serve. This is a lifestyle thing. If you're visiting, this message is for you. Wherever you go, wherever you grow, wherever you plugged in, wherever you planted, be a servant. Follow Jesus. Step into the priesthood. There's so much life that needs to happen that way. So, Let's close in prayer, ask God to seal some of these things in our heart. Uh, Mighty God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of it. Thank you for Jesus who came, uh, even God's son, Emmanuel, God with us, who put on a towel, dropped to his knees and started washing feet and drying them off with a towel. Just a baffling scene that that would be the last, essentially the last teaching moment 
before going to the cross. It's just amazing. It is that monumental. It is that powerful that we are supposed to get it as Christ followers. As you've seen me do, you do also. You will be blessed if you do them. Taking on the nature of a servant. And Lord, transform us to have that same kind of heart, Lord God. This is something you've been doing in the heart of people for thousands of years, God. Even in the Old Testament, Joshua came out of the land, the the desert, ready to go into the promised land. But he told the people, you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to decide who you're going to serve. You're going to serve yourself or you're going to serve God and others. It's a choice everyone's got to make. It's personal. It's between us and you, God. And Joshua suggested to the people, he said, choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day. Whether it's going to be the gods of your forefathers, which means everything Hollywood has to offer and everything you've seen presented to you as fame and fortune and success and entitlement, whatever it might be, whatever it looked like, whatever book you read or movie you saw that had a picture that we might be aiming at somehow, uh, you can choose to serve that or you can choose to serve the living God. Choose this day who you will serve. And he says, I don't know about you guys. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're going to pick. It's between you and God. But as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Know about you guys. I hope you do the right thing. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And if you're in in that camp today, I just want to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to ask God to do something through a heart of service that he's never done in our lives before. Uh, If that's you, no pressure. If it's not, it's okay. You You don't have to stand up if you don't want to. This is... This is, if this is you, if you're saying, I'm in the camp, God, as for me and my house, I want to serve the Lord. Um, Lord, we come before you today, God. Um, and you said each one of us should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's gift in the various forms. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.